Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Hannah. Uh, just, you may not be aware of this, Carmen Janus on Friday was having some uh, heart issues, uh, came in, her fluid level was high, her enzyme levels were high, they've done a series of testing on her, and uh, Frank, her husband, couldn't give me the medical diagnosis for it, but the way it was explained by him to me is that her heart has a left and a right side that flutters, and uh the left side that flutters, it's, it has to do with the electronics of our body, wasn't functioning right. Normally, you're supposed to be at like a 55 rate. Five uh, is a rate where they'll do a uh, transplant, and 15 was where she was at. And it could have been one of, he said, 19 different reasons that caused this. It could have even been something from childhood, but she has it. And so it is uh, fixable. And uh, it could be with a pacemaker. Uh, it could be something even simpler and easier with, than that. They're going to do that. They're going to do a heart cath tomorrow to get to the bot to find the treatment that they need to do. Um, Frank said no visitors, but she's feeling good. She's resting. Procedures tomorrow. Phone calls are welcome, uh, but no visitors. So anyway, Carmen Janus and need, obviously the family as well. Uh, it's good to see Kayleen here, Lorna here. They're still healing, uh, but it's good to see them here. Uh, Jan's had some struggles too, and and uh, but she had some good things happen to her this week as well, and and so that's a blessing. Uh, and then you may have seen out there in the foyer the boxes. Now, those of you who are new here for several years now, we've done what's it's called Samaritan's Purse, uh, and it's just a. It's an outstanding ministry that we're involved in. In each one of their books, or the boxes, each one of them, each one of the boxes, there is a very descriptive, uh, it tells you what we do, why we do it, the whole nine yards about everything, about the boxes. But basically, uh, we have until November 11th to take a box. We have 50 of them. Take a box. In uh, Franklin Graham, I said Samaritan's Purse is the one that supports this ministry. Some of you may be aware of it. But uh, take a box. You've got several weeks to get it back to us. It will tell you in the box how to pack the shoe bit box. Get these boxes go all over the world, all over the world. Uh, it has a label on it. Everything is there. You've got a 1-800 number. You, got, you can talk to uh, Allison and or myself, and it has the ideals, and it tells you what not to include what not to put in the box. Very simple thing. It's a great way to minister. Uh, I really would prefer that you read the insert that's in the box because uh, it is very descriptive of what the ministry is and the opportunity that we have to serve. It is service. It's evangelism. It's a great way to honor God. I encourage you, uh, if you leave today, take your box. You can take more than one, take a box. I would like for us, uh, Allison, I'd like for us to sign who takes a box. We can sign, uh, we'll have a sheet, who takes a box. And then that way we can email you, communicate with you, tell you when, again, remind you. There'll be more in the bulletin about when to return them. But it's a great opportunity to serve. And uh, the one thing that the director said to us this week, she came by the office and she said, if you do take one of the boxes, what the, the kids, that, and they get these all over the world, uh, they want you to put a little handwritten note, who, who you are. And then the thing they said the kids love the most is a picture. So if they get a box from you, 
They'd like to have a little handwritten note, something about you and your family and a picture of your family. Uh, she said the kids, are they love that as much as anything they get. So, again, any questions, ask. All the information in the box. Encourage you to take some boxes home, and uh, let's honor God with that. So, okay, open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. We begin this series actually a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Paul, I appreciate your uh, reading this morning. Two passages out of the Gospel of John that had to do with Jesus and his communication to his disciples, uh, really emphasizing the Holy Spirit, what God would do with the Holy Spirit. So it seems like 100 years ago, uh, so in my education process, we had to pick out something, a topic, uh, and we actually had two years to work on it, a thesis topic um, in the College of Biblical Studies that would be a part of our graduation process and our confirmation and affirmation process. And uh, we could pick any pretty much free reign, uh, and you, were, you had a board of professors that monitored you, and you went through the whole process over the uh, span of time. And I chose the Holy Spirit. I felt uh, at that point in my life, I was in my mid-30s, and I had been a Christian for about 10 years, and, and I felt like, I just felt like there was so much that I didn't know. I felt like people use the term Holy Spirit a lot, or they don't use it at all. And, uh, and so it was a wonderful journey for me. In fact, I would say of all this, the uh, study journeys that I embarked on uh, as privileged uh, as a Christian and a minister, this was the most influential on me. Um, and so what that entailed briefly was Genesis through Revelation, the entire Bible, to look at every single verse in the Bible about the Holy Spirit, every single one, every one. And so the journey began uh, just every verse, Genesis through Revelation, chronological order. Then the study around that verse what was going on in that place in Scripture, whether it was the book of Leviticus, a lot, lot about the Holy Spirit in the book of Leviticus. Didn't matter where it was. What was happening? Why would the writer of Scripture, Scripture being inspired by the Holy Spirit, 2 Timothy 3.16, what's going on at that point in that Scripture that the Holy Spirit is being magnified, talked about, written about, illustrated, whatever, and so you did that Genesis and Revelation, and then you had this, I even had in my office this huge map board. You know, it's kind of like a st strategic map board. And, and uh, so I'm putting all the pieces, the biblical pieces together about the Holy Spirit. And it was a set, it was a powerful study for me, ongoing. And so stepping away from that. And um, just those two passages this morning, the most obvious ones is that the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then uh, Jesus teaching, he says, listen, in a nutshell, paraphrasing, I'm leaving this world, but listen, as I leave and before I come back, something's going to happen. The fulfillment of Scripture is going to happen. God, my Father, I are going to give you a Holy Spirit. We know from the teachings, even on the day of Pentecost, we know from 
Romans chapter 5, that the love of God has been poured out into our heart through the Holy Spirit. We know that we have the promise of the Holy Spirit from Scripture and from Jesus. We know that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. All those things, they're in Scripture. And all those verses that, you know, just those verses, what we know about the Holy Spirit, he's a, he's, he's a counselor. He counsels us. He leads us. He guides us. He teaches us. He convicts us. And not only us, he convicts the world of sin. He encourages us. Uh, he, we can grieve him. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. And so in the New Testament, a part of the new covenant, as God saves us, according to his promise, he seals us and he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us now and we have it. And our conflict as a human being in the flesh is that we struggle between the Holy Spirit of Christ in us and the flesh that is rotting and decaying and dying. That's our struggle. And so this morning, though, in the study of Colossians, here's what I learned. And I want to just share. I believe that it will change the way you read the first 12 verses of Colossians in chapter 1. And not only change that, I think there is such a powerful lesson of encouragement. We're only going to do three verses because there's too much. You can't do those first 12 verses and really do it justice as what it has to do with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you believe the Holy Spirit is that you've been sealed with it, you have the gift, it indwells within you. Um, if you believe that Scripture's been inspired by the Holy Spirit, if you believe that the Holy Spirit guides you, leads you, helps you, convicts you, all those things, then you say, okay, those are, those are biblical truths. Amen, right? Good. So if, if, if somebody said to you, let's say a bodybuilder, okay, you say, well, you, could, you know what a bodybuilder looks like. You just do. You can look at a, a woman or a man who's in the gym, and they, man, they have committed to, you know, nutrition and exercise and weightlifting. You can see it, right? So that's just one thing. But what I want you to see this morning is all those things that are true that we just, just very quickly talking about the Holy Spirit, in the verse, first 12 verses of Colossians, it's the evidence, just like you could look at a bodybuilder and say, that person has committed to eating right, exercising, knowledge, the knowledge it takes to, you know, here's a result. I will tell you that the first 12 verses in the first chapter of Colossians that the Apostle Paul wrote as a prisoner is the evidence of what the Holy Spirit looks like. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is, uh, this is just a step-by-step -step checklist. You think, okay, I don't know if I'm spiritual enough. I want to be. I think everybody here wants to be spiritual. I think everybody said, yeah, I need to be more spiritual. There ain't enough. I do believe that I have the Holy Spirit. I believe God has saved me. I believe God has given me the gift of the Holy Spirit. I believe that with all my heart. But you know, I don't feel very spiritual. I don't very, very spiritual in the things that I say, my attitudes, my actions, my area. I don't feel very spiritual many times, okay? And so I want to be spiritual. We talk about the Holy Spirit. The Bible says a lot about the Holy Spirit. I, it seems to be kind of confusing to me. This person over here seems to always be on some kind of spiritual high. That's a spiritual person. Well, I love the Lord, and I'm reading, and I go to church. I don't necessarily feel that way. What am I missing? So here it is. 
These are the written words, introductory words that Paul is writing to the Colossians, and it is the Holy Spirit checklist. This is what it is. If you were wanting to go to the gym and learn how to be a bodybuilder and you didn't know anything about nutrition and weight with and how you're supposed to do that and why it works, you know, you'd get a, somebody say, okay, here's what we're going to do. This is what we do. This is what it looks like. This is why we do it. And here it is. Boom, 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 boom. This is the first 12 verses of chapter one of Colossians. So we're just going to start. Okay. So now this is the measuring point. If you say, well, what am I lacking? What is it that I am lacking as a person that wants to be more spiritual, believing in the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is just a very quick recap, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, a brother. I preached a sermon on this, not going to re-preach it, but here's the thing. You know, we just, we become a Christian. We're Christian. We're, we believe in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his, gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I love God. I love him because he loved me first. I believe that I'm saved by God alone. I believe I'm saved through Jesus alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. I believe that. Okay. And so then we just start living. And I don't know. Maybe you were eight years old. In a Baptist church. I, I don't know. Maybe you were, I don't know, 26 years old in a church of Christ. Or maybe you were, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I know some of your stories. But there was a point in your life, I hope, if you don't have one, you should have one. Where you could look back and you say, man, God met me. <laughs> God met me and I met him. And it may have been through the process of years and relationships, but it becomes very clear at a moment and you can say, God has saved me. I got to a point in my life where my heart was broken. My spirit was contrite. That's what the scripture says God desires. And, and I cried out to God. He led me through the preaching and the teaching of his word, circumstances in my life, the reality of scripture. And I am, I'm now, I listen, I'm here. Dear Lord, God Almighty, have mercy on me, a sinner. And you're sa God has saved you. Praise God. I hope you, can, I hope you can talk about that moment. I hope if you haven't, stop. Think. There's nothing, there's not a more significant moment in your life. You should be able to do that. But then there's, the, then, then there's problems. You see it in the book of Acts, chapter 2. You get to the second chapter, the day of Pentecost, and the word of God is preached, and, and hearts were pierced, and, and they cried out, what must we do? And Peter tells them, oh, man. He tells them, repent. Be baptized, each and every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, because your sins have been forgiven. There's more to it, but... It said about 3,000 people were baptized and their souls were, the church was established. The church that Jesus said he would establish on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. Now here's, and the way the second chapter ends is really good. It says, they were meeting together regularly, breaking bread, and they had all things in common. But it didn't last very long. In a very short period of time, they were arguing over which widows get fed first. And in every letter that's written, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 
First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus, Jesus addressing the seven churches of Asia Minor in the first two chapters of the book of Revelation. The church, you and I, the body of Christ, the kingdom, the children of God, the, the bride of Christ, uh, it was and is a mess. It was a mess and it is a mess. Sanctified. Secured, but it's a mess. And I'm convinced that as much as we don't know about the Holy Spirit or as much as we think we know about the Holy Spirit, from the day that we're saved to the day that the struggle begins, whether it was the church in the book of Acts or whatever, you in your life, the number one reason and the number, the spearhead of Satan attacking you and I is because we don't, we, we know so much about ourselves or we're either completely ignorant about ourselves. We're just born and we just kind of live and we just kind of, you know, I'm living, well, here I am. What am I doing? I don't know. I'll go to work today and I got bills to pay and boy, I wish my husband acted better and my wife and blah, 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 blah. And my family's a mess and, you know, this country's a mess and we're just living in our identity and, you know, we just think, well, I'm an American. I don't know what you think about who you are, all the machinations in your mind that can kind of, but we just live. It's just kind of like we're living. And the, the number one thing that the Holy Spirit does as it counsels us, leads us, all these things, convicts us, is that it establishes the only identity in the world that is worth having. And you ought to start, you and I should start every day. Our teenagers need to be hearing this. Our children, Tucker, Hannah, all of you, you need to be hearing this every day. You need to, your parents, you should be talking about it. You should be having the conversation in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit. You should start your day and end your day reminding with all the clutter and noise and confusion, our identities is always, they're always changing. We identify ourselves in so many ways. Well, I'm a bull rider, or I don't know, or I'm a businessman, or I'm a college graduate, or I'm whatever I am, or I don't know. We're just constantly, and we're trying to upgrade our identities. We're always trying, you know, well, that We'll even tell lies. Well, you know, I wouldn't really want to tell somebody that this is who I am based upon this because this doesn't sound glamorous or exciting enough. So I don't know. We're just constantly, aren't we? I mean, it's almost like we're ashamed of who we are and what we are and the of of who we are and the will of by which we arrived at that. The single most important thing that the Holy Spirit does in our life, it establishes the only identity that matters, and every other identity is clutter. It's earthly or it's satanic. The Holy Spirit identifies us of Jesus Christ by the will of God. It changes everything. No matter what's going on in your life, Satan doesn't want you to identify yourself of Jesus Christ by the will of God. The political world we live in doesn't want you to identify yourself. Don't even want to hear it. What does that mean? I am who I am of Jesus Christ by the will of God, period. Now, you may say, and I put here on this notes, well, I'm a citizen of the United States. See, with that of, uh, that OF word is huge, man. Because that, that identifies a, a relationship. I'm a citizen of the United States. Pretty good, huh? Paul would say, no, 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 it's not good. Don't care who you think. He said, we're no longer Jew or Gentile. We're no longer male or female. We're no longer free or, or, or slave. 
Listen, we are citizens of the most high God and the kingdom of God, of God, of, of, of. Who is the identity of you, of who you're associated with? You say, well, I'm a graduate of Texas A&M University. Sounds pretty good. They got a big thing, huge giant ring over there, and everybody likes those senior, and they put them in a pitcher of beer, and they drink it, and all those things. And, you know, people, you can see that aggregate, and it's, it's a trademark, man. It's high. You know, you Aggies all over the world could be in a restaurant and say, oh, man, that's an Aggie right there, class of whatever. Well, that's good. So that may be your identity. I'm a graduate of. Listen, don't mean to demean that. But that's not spiritual. There's no Holy Spirit in that. There's no Holy Spirit in identifying yourself in anything other than I am who I am, in Paul's case, an apostle, of Jesus Christ. Christ. At the end of your life, the only identity that is always going to matter, the only identity, by the way, you know, I talk about Carmen. Now, I know that woman's of Jesus Christ, but I tell you what, she, she was humming along, man. In fact, I saw her Tuesday night at the ladies' Bible class, and she looked good, man. Color was good. She's healthy. Appears to be healthy. And something's going on in her heart. She didn't know about it. Something. Fluid, enzymes. The Bible says our life's a vapor, folks. And we can just be living along, living along, living along. We can be doing the keto diet. We can be exercising. We can be at the gym. We can be at church on Sunday. But if you don't know who you are of, because the only thing that is going to matter that is spiritual is who you are of. And you're either of Jesus Christ or you ain't. You could be a graduate of the United of, uh, of Texas A&M University, a citizen of the United States, or you just put whatever of you are. And if it's not of Jesus Christ, it's either earthly or it's satanic. It's an identity that is earthly, which is temporary, or satanic that is driven by our ego or our flesh. But if you can say, and by the way, you can only utter it by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, number one. The Holy Spirit identifies. And church, do this. Let it happen, man. Give it up. Let it happen. Change your identity today because you have the Holy Spirit in you that does that for you. What if you literally started your day every day? Man, Lord, today's the day you've made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. And I am a Christian husband, a Christian father, a Christian businessman, a Christian homeschooler, a Christian teacher, you go a Christian truck driver, whatever it is, of Jesus Christ. Problem solved. Any other identity will always come with temporary problems or lingering problems. Because there'll never be enough degrees, there'll never be enough money, there'll never be enough intelligence, there'll never be enough... But, man, if you're whoever you are of Jesus Christ, it's always enough, babe. It's enough. It's more than enough. And then the second part of that is by the will of God. The, you will only know that by the Holy Spirit. And Satan and the earth, those are the three elements. There's God, his Holy Spirit, and his Son. There's the earth. Sometimes we give Satan credit for things he, he doesn't have the right or power to initiate. It's just the earth. And then it is the satanic. Those are the only three realms. And, and so uh, anything else, you know, by the will of, and I, I mentioned this, 
We are so driven to establish the will of something, usually our will. I did this. I built this business. I did this. I wrote this song. I painted this picture. I whatever. My will. That's what we're saying. It's a temporary, earthly, satanic will. But the Holy Spirit says, number one, an apostle or whoever you are of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. I didn't put that in this insert. So the second one did is that here's the second thing the Holy Spirit does for you. Every single one of us are offering ourselves to someone or something every day. You're offering yourself. Tammy and I met, uh, I don't even remember who it was. Yes, we were, yeah, we were on vacation. And we met this lady. She had worked at the Social Security Administration uh, somewhere on the East Coast. Where was that, Tammy? You remember? That we were out at uh, Albert's that day. That lady was real nice. She'd worked for Social Security Administration. Really prim, very uh, nice, educated gal. Joy to talk to. Uh, I don't know, they were from Pennsylvania or something, Yankees. Anyway, uh, forgive me. Anyway, very nice lady. And she said she had worked for the Social Security Administration. Her husband had passed away. She had like two more years to retirement. And she would work this and she would go in every Saturday. You could tell this gal was a hardworking, just very prim, wonderful, intelligent. And so she retired. And I loved what she said. They, I, I've thought about this since then. She said, they asked her, I, I guess they always need a shortage or something. They were going to pay her more, and maybe she could come in as a consultant. So, well, hey, could you come in? And, could, and she said, and I'm going to let you finish. She said, not only no, but, you know, yeah. So I love that, and I'll tell you why I love that. Because you, we will commit ourselves to something. We will just offer ourselves to something. And we're so convinced that it's right. I just, I, I give my body as an offering. I give, I saw my dad, and this is not a criticism of my dad. I saw my dad give his body and his mind and his heart as an offering to IBM for 37 years. Great man. I, listen, love my father. It's not a criticism. But it's so part of the American dream, isn't it? That we offer ourselves to something or someone Listen to what the Holy Spirit, this is what the Holy Spirit leads you, how he leads you to offer yourself, affiliate with, and commit to. We're at the Brazos County, uh, the Fair and Rodeo last night, and I, I think at one point Don looked over at me, and I wasn't very, I was just so watching that road. I was just so, we were in a great seat, and we were above the chutes. And I think you might have thought maybe something was wrong with me. And I was being usually, normally I'm very dull and, you know, yeah, no, you know, normally I'm very quiet, you know, no. But uh, I, I was just, so I was very happy. Uh, I was being retrospective. And, and I remember I committed years of my life to that experience right behind the chute. And I don't believe in coincidence. I thought about knowing this morning's uh, sermon message, Holy Spirit, earthly, satanic. And I, and I knew what the machinations, I knew what those guys were thinking. I love the smells of the rodeo. I love the sounds. I like to hear the bells on those bull ropes, man. 
I love the colors. You know, one of these guys was wearing a shirt right down my alley, man. He, he had a shirt. I wanted that shirt. It was bright and obnoxious and colorful and like the hats, man, and beautiful horses going in and out. And I thought to myself, for years, that's what I offered myself to. Now, you can be a Christian in that environment. You truly can. I, I, I only knew a handful. Years and years ago, there was a guy by the name of uh, Larry Peabody and Lyle Sankey. They were Christians. Now, I thought I was a Christian. This is Holy Spirit stuff. You may think you're a Christian. I wasn't a Christian. Just because I knew that in this country we celebrate Easter and Christmas and we celebrate the birth of a Savior and the death, burial, and resurrection, I'm, I wasn't a Christian. I, 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 knew, I, I knew the story of Jesus. I'd gone to VBS and Sunday school till I learned about girls and gas and go, and then I was gone. But I would have thought I was a Christian. I wasn't a Christian. And the reason I wasn't a Christian, because I did not have the promise, the seal, the gift, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And the reason I know that I didn't is because I didn't know who I was of by the will of God. And then I also, because of who and what I offered myself to, I affiliated myself with, and I was committed to. Listen to verse 2. To the saints and faithful brethren. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae. That's an offering. That's language driven from a heart and a spirit and a mind is, that's uncluttered from the earth and the this is my, I'm going to tell you who I'm with. I'm going to tell you who I love. I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to tell you who I can talk about. I'm going to tell you who I can lift up. I'm going to tell you who I can laud. I tell you, I'm writing these folks. It's from my heart. And this is it. I'm offering myself to you, to you. A preacher is supposed to be offering himself to you. Brother and sister in Christ is supposed to be offering ourselves to one another. And that's holy, Holy Spirit-driven, folks. As I know who I am and of Jesus Christ by the will of God, that I'm going to offer myself. Man, I'm going to offer myself to saints and the faithful brethren. And he uses the word brethren. I had fun with the kids because all of our kids in the youth group are brother and sister and this and that. You might end up hating your brother and sister. You just can't maybe stand them. They're fighting all the time. But when God adopts you, and God, by the Holy Spirit, puts you into his family. Brother and brethren comes something different. It's just different. It's just different. There's a level of love that you just offer. You offer yourself. You offer yourself to someone and something different by the Holy Spirit. Let's keep going. And then what do you give them? What, what, you want to know, not only do we offer ourselves to all kinds of stuff and people and things and Usually temporary things are going to be burnt up and rot and rust and rot, and we offer ourselves to the earthly things, to our flesh. We offer ourselves to the flesh of others for the wrong reasons. They're not spiritual reasons. But then when, when we do offer ourselves, what, what do we give? 
See, if it's not of the Holy Spirit and it's earthly or it's satanic, not only are we offering ourselves, we're giving all the time. We're giving all the time. We're giving stress. We're giving ourselves over to stress, anger, uh, division, frustration, jealousy. You go to Galatians chapter 5, it's just all the things of the deeds of the flesh. We're, or we may even give things in a, maybe in a, a humanly kind way. It makes me feel good about myself. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give hand or something. You know? well, I'd like to give Scott something. It's not really necessarily anything bad with that. You know what the Bible says about man's righteousness, Isaiah? The prophet, he said, man's righteousness is like a filthy rag under God. So I don't know your motive for giving anything to anyone. Maybe it makes you feel good about yourself. Maybe you're trying to manipulate a situation. You know, if I give somebody something, maybe I'll get I don't know. But here's what I do know. Holy Spirit, no. And this can only happen from the Holy Spirit. He says this in all of his letters. He's always giving as, an, as he offers himself to spiritual people by the Holy Spirit, he gives what? Grace and peace. Third step in the Holy Spirit diagram, biblical, Genesis through Revelation. You want to know who a spiritual person is? They may not be the people raising their hands in worship. They may not be the people that are, you know, have some spiritual, dynamic, uh, you know, expression of whatever a gift, whether it's true or not. Maybe it's their own expression of a gift, and maybe it really is a gift. I, I, only God knows that. But you cannot fake this. You cannot initiate this on your own. You can try. But Holy Spirit sealed, led, guided, taught, convicted, indwelling people are always giving Grace and peace. And not for any other motive than because Jesus Christ taught them, sealed them, gave them, poured his love into our heart by the Holy Spirit so that we just, I'm just going to give grace. I'm going to give peace. I've been wronged. I've been slandered. I've been libeled. I've been treated poorly. I've been disrespected. I've been hurt. I've... And the earthly says, trick me once, shame on you. Trick me twice, shame on me, baby. And, and the satanic says, you got every right. You got every right to give them back. Evil for evil and insult for insult. You're justified. And the Holy Spirit says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The Holy Spirit says, I'm not going to return evil for evil or insult for evil. Insult for insult. The Holy Spirit says, man, I got hit in the cheek. Allow him to take the other cheek. The Holy Spirit says, love your enemy." The Holy Spirit says, offer yourself as a spiritual sacrifice, 
of service. This is how you really worship God. It's a struggle. Who we offer ourselves to and what we give. And then finally, gratitude. Gratitude. He says in verse 3, we give thanks to God, the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. And then verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Holy Spirit. Earthly, satanic. Earthly, man, I got a lot to be thankful for. You know, life's turned out pretty good. You know, I live in America. That's a good thing. I was born in Texas. That's pretty good. I got good genetics, man. You know, mom and dad love me. I'm healthy. Got a good job. That's nice. You know, life's pretty good. Yeah, I'm thankful. Satan over here is saying, <laughs> the satanics over here is saying, yeah, I got that. I got that. I sure got that. Oh, I can be thankful for that. And you fill in the blank. I got me some. Well, it turned out pretty good for me. And then there's Holy Spirit. Gratitude. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Job, if you read chapter 1 in Job, in a, in a, a heartbreaking series of events, he loses everything. And he gets one, and, and, and it started with God, the oldest language in the Bible, saying to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Yeah, but... He just worships you and is grateful to you. Back the Hebrew word is. He's just grateful to you. He, he, his worship comes from a place of gratitude. It's the way the Hebrew writes, reads. Because you just bless him. And God says, you got him, Satan. Do whatever you want, except you can't take his life. And he takes it all. And what does a Holy Spirit heart do? Mind and spirit. It said you should read it. And after receiving the final news that the children were, he, he worshipped. It said he worshipped. And that worship in the Hebrew, he gave thanks to God for all that he had lost. Holy Spirit. And when his wife confronted about it, he said, Really? So you think that we should just be grateful to God when he gives and not grateful when he takes away? That's Holy Spirit thinking. That's Holy Spirit gratitude. That's not satanic gratitude. That's not even earthly gratitude. That's Holy Spirit gratitude. This is Holy Spirit stuff, folks. Twelve verses in the first chapter of Colossians is everything that the Bible teaches every tenet about the Holy Spirit, Genesis to Revelation. 
This is what we're going to do for the next several weeks. And then it's going to lead us to the most impressive part of Colossians, which is the supremacy of Christ. But we're a few weeks from that. So I challenge you this morning. I want you to look yourself in the mirror, in the spiritual mirror. And I just, on these first three steps, I want to challenge you to take a good hard look at yourself and say, who am I of who, by the will of who? Who do I offer myself to? What do I give to others? And how, what kind of gratitude do I have? You want to you start in the gym, the bodybuilding gym of spiritual power? Man, it's right here. I just gave you the first three steps. I didn't give it to you. God gave it through the inspiration of his holy word. And there's the challenge each and every one of you ought to be looking at. Me too, the preacher. And saying, okay, oh man. Earth and Satan over there has got me thinking I'm, I'm of something or someone else by the will of something or somewhere, and I'll only if I offer myself. <laughs> I'll offer myself in ways that has to do with the earth and that. I and give gratitude? Nah. This is what the Holy Spirit does. And where is the greatest evidence of it in the history of humanity? Where is somebody that knew who he was of by the will of? It was right here 2,000 years ago. Last night, and I don't believe in coincidence, we're at the rodeo, Shenandoah was singing. I really wasn't listening to them. They're a great old country uh, song group. And at one point, he said in the middle of the congregation, he said, he said we got a song about love. And he said, I want to tell all you folks something. He said, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ on Calvary gave himself up to die. That's love. But he did it because he knew he was of the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I came to do my Father's will. And he offered himself as a sacrifice. And he gave you and I grace and peace. And he even did it with gratitude in his heart. Let's pray. Father in heaven. from the hymns that we uh, sang this morning, and I'm so grateful that Hannah said, uh, she made a comment about your presence in, in this assembly this morning, and I do not believe in coincidence. Father, it was a blessing to see um, the children this morning on these steps up here and the brightness in their eyes and the evidence that their parents love them so much they'd bring them into the assembly. To hear the reading of your word and to share the concerns that we have for our brothers and sisters that are ailing. It's just such a blessing this morning. Father, help us to move away from the earthly things and the satanic things. And teach us how to offer ourselves, what to give, and the gratitude that can only come through knowing you and your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his pure and holy name that we pray. Amen.